just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. All right, good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. Promises to be a very important conversation. I think the message of today's guest in his book and his uh, online presence speaks to a significant percentage of the audience that listens to this show. So this should be a very relevant, very important, very impactful conversation. Let's get to it. I'm joined today by Nigel DeSau. He's a marketing professional, the founder of The Three-Minute Mentor, and the author of a new book called Become a 21st Century Executive, Breaking Away from the Pack. Nigel, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much for the invite. Now, it's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you're very busy. Nigel, before we get into a conversation around all of this cool stuff that you're doing, all this important work of yours, take a few quick seconds, inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Well, first of all, you'll spot from the accent that I'm not a Native American or wasn't born in America, however you want to say. I was actually born in the UK in a small town called Nottingham, probably most famous for Robin Hood, and about 19 years ago, came to live in America, came on an assignment uh, from IBM Corporation, and have married an American and now live in Boston, Massachusetts. Outstanding. Well, we're here principally to talk about the book, Become a 21st Century Executive, but it does that does pull from a lot of learnings and lessons from the three-minute mentor. So why don't you, why don't you kick this thing off by briefly describing the website and what that's all about, and then how that led to how that informed uh, what became the book. Yeah, it's a strange story, and it's a story which starts me being stuck in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport during a thunderstorm. And like, you know, if you've ever been through DFW, there's often delays, and you wander around with things to do. And I wandered into a bookshop, and I was looking for, you know, in the professional and the business section, and what occurred to me was that all the books I could see were really written by people who were executives in the last century and not this century. And they were all based around how to be the CEO and how to be the top dog and how to run the world. And really what most of us want is not to be CEO. We don't really want to run the world. What we want to do is to maximize our career and stand the best opportunity to get where we want to be. And it really struck me that there was a lack of material for the middle manager, for the people building the career, for the millennials. So we created this website, which... uh, give sort of three-minute little dissertations on various subjects that people trying to help build and manage a career. And there's 120 of those up there. And people said, well, it's great, but how do I give the website to somebody, you know, other than send them the URL? And so we put 36 of the most popular chapters in a book, and that's what we've published. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a cool story. It's amazing how many business inspirations come from delays at airports. (laughs) That's not the first story I've heard of someone killing time and doing something amazing, or at least starting something amazing. That's funny. So, all right, you sort of shed light on it, but I wanted to ask you a snarky question. I mean, what exactly is a 21st century executive? Well, I think the basic thought here is what it took to succeed in the last century and what it's going to take to this 
succeed in this century are, are really very different. And I'll give you three things that fundamentally make this a different world. The most obvious one is technology. You know, the way we communicate, the way we interact, the way we deal with people is fundamentally different. I think the second thing is we're a much more global uh, company, country. We're a global environment. We see cross continents, not just across the Americas. And I think both of those have created the third, which is the most important, I think, is we're a much more transparent world. And I think 50 years ago, 30 years ago, when I started, it was quite easy to live in your little bubble and you can't do that. And if you want a really good example of what happens when those things come together, they're called millennials. And the millennials you know, are going to be 50% of the workforce by 2020. You know, They are global, they are technology-based, and they search for things like transparency. And that's a very different world. Well, why is transparency so important? I'm realizing your background, and you came from a large, very traditional organization. And I'm not impugning that organization one bit. There's plenty of amazing people who've done amazing work there. I'm talking about the general corporation here, that where for a long, long time, I don't think transparency was, I think it was frowned upon. I, I think it was not a good thing. I, I think it's a very good thing. Why is it so important today? You know, it's, it's interesting that, that there were two different definitions of transparency. There was the more traditional definition, which I think you're describing when I grew up, at least, uh, and I started working at IBM. They'd say, don't be transparent. If your boss tells you to do something, he's not going to be transparent and say, well, because my boss told me to, he's going to explain why. So transparency had a sort of a negative connotation. I think with technology today, it's really hard to keep a secret and Emails last forever, and Twitter lasts forever, and Facebook lasts forever, and everything lasts forever, as our politicians are discovering. And stuff will come back. So the only way to be successful, and, and really what the millennial generation is demanding, is that we just be open, we be honest, and we be clear about what we're doing. And Because it comes back to biters. I always tell my team there are three things in this area around transparency. I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you what I don't know. And I'll even tell you when I know something, but I can't tell you what that thing is. And you just have to accept that. But that level of transparency is really what the modern workplace is becoming about. Let me ask you about another 21st century phenomenon that I think informs a lot of what you're talking about. And it's the idea, it's another look back to the traditional business model where you would start within an organization and you would spend your career there. And there would be a track where you would try to to raise up in the organization. I feel like we're shifting away from this traditional career path where now it's more project-based, where you might not necessarily have 10 different jobs in your career. You might have 10 different careers in your career. Talk about how that's impacting what your message is here. Yeah, actually, a, a book of an author I noticed says the millennial actually have 23 different careers. Wow. She, she says exactly what you say. It's not about jobs, it's about careers. I think the biggest issue here for, for anyone entering the workplace, you know, in the last few years is the jobs that at least I did when I first went to work, either as a student or an intern or as, or as an employee, just don't exist anymore. You know, the filing jobs and the clerk jobs and the, you know, the low skills. It's really hard when you have a huge student loan to climb up the ladder because you're trying to deal with your loans. And so people are entering the workplace very talented in terms of knowledge, but it's college knowledge, not necessarily real-world knowledge. Right. And at the end of the day, what they're doing is they're fast failing, and they're not getting what they need, or they're not achieving what they want, so they move to the next job. Or 
maybe it's just they don't feel, particularly the millennials, feel the same need that my generation did of having to have a job. So they're going to search for something that fits them better at that point in their life. Got it. Okay. Well, let's talk about how to score that promotion. I've heard you say, I mean, acquiring new content, expanding networks, honing the approach. I mean, let's talk about that. And what do you mean by content? Okay. So these, I think, are the three cornerstones of building a 21st century career. So content is what you know. What are you known for? You don't get invited to the big table to talk unless you know something. You bring some content. You bring some insights. You bring information. So content is what you know. Approach, which is the second sort of leg of the stool, is how you use what you know. So, okay, so you're you're the world specialist or you're a great person in this, but can you explain it? Can you get teams to follow you? Can you motivate people? How do you use what you know is your approach? And the third one is who knows that you know how to use what you know? So that's the network question, both inside and outside. And I think to build a 21st century career, you have to say, what content do I know? What approaches or skills do I have? And what does my network look like? And as you move from job to job, you've really got to ask yourself, am I adding to my content? Am I adding to my approach? And am I building my network? Yeah, well, it's hard to argue with those three cornerstones. A question for you with regards to the content you know or your knowledge and those who know that you know, so the networking side, I think it's more than just the content you know from within the organization. I think you need to acquire content, to use your word, that's exterior to your current organization so that you have a wider breadth of knowledge. And I think the people, it's not, it's important that people in your organization know that you know, but I think there's value, especially with our earlier conversation of this project-based or this multiple career track, that you have to have a wider berth of network context than just within your organization, yeah? I absolutely. You have to think both from content and network inside and outside. I'll tell you a funny story. I was in a meeting with some very, very senior people at IBM. I'm talking the most senior people you can get. And I was a fairly junior person. And there was there was a conversation going on. And I wanted to engage in that conversation. But I didn't want to make an idiot of myself. So I used what I think is the most powerful you know, line you can use in this space. And I said, I was talking to a customer last week. And these very important people turned and looked at me expectantly. Now, I had about 15 seconds to make the rest of that interesting. But the reality is I was, I was bringing outside information in. And I think your content has not to just be about the processes and the tools within the business. It's about that outside-in view. And that's true, like you say, also about the network. You've got to have these network people. When I hire someone for a job, I'm as interested in their network and who they can connect us to as their ability to execute within the business. All right. Well, after the break, we're going to dive deeper into the networking situation. So Nigel DeSalle and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This program is brought to you by Miles Finch Innovation, LLC, a creative consultancy that is passionate about ideas, imagination, and facilitating a culture of innovation. Miles Finch Innovation helps companies navigate the messy territory of corporate innovation. They're strategic thinking partners who can help you get unstuck and identify creative solutions to your toughest challenges. They also love to train and speak on the subject of creative leadership. Learn more about how they can help you at milesfinchinnovation.com. Miles Finch Innovation. 
idea-centric, strategically driven, humanly conscious. All right, I am back with Nigel Desau, marketing professional, founder of The Three-Minute Mentor, and the author of a new book, Become a 21st Century Executive, Breaking Away from the Pack. So the close of the top segment, we were talking about this networking thing. I mean, this your lack of upward mobility, I think both in within an organization and in the wider breadth of a career path are very much hampered by your weak professional network. Talk more about how to build that. It's actually quite hard, I think, to sometimes for people to understand how to build a network. And particularly if they come from a millennial background where you do everything electronically. Right. And you've got to learn to take those networking skills that you did electronically and move them into people skills. So you'll get some of your network as you move from job to job. But you get other elements of the network by joining associations, by joining clubs or professional groups, or finding other people of like minds and connecting to them. I think the other thing that's really important here is you've got to build yourself a mentor network. And if you build yourself a mentor network, you will, by its nature, build a network. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. Uh, I'm curious, Nigel, what you think of my strategy for building my network, because I interview cool people like Nigel Desau and learn from them, share their knowledge with others, and, and establish a relationship. I and mean, that's how I do it. Yeah, I think one of the most effective things you can do is get to know other people, talk to other people, and be around other people. And, you know, mentoring is a little bit like a marriage. You're not going to find somebody and marry them instantly. Not every person you meet is going to be your lifelong partner. You need to make a connection to people. And as you do that, you will expand and build your network. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking the playoff of your three-minute mentor idea. My radio network is sort of my 20-minute mentoring. <laughs> I talk to all these amazing, fascinating people doing doing good stuff. So, all right. So, let's talk about that person who recognizes that fateful moment when they're probably not going to get promoted, no matter how hard they work, how successful they are, how much, and frankly, how much they deserve it. Uh, what do they do then? Well, I think you have to ask yourself three questions. And trust me, we've all been there. I've been there. I don't know anybody who hasn't been in that situation. And those questions are, is it the company I work for? Is it the role I have? Or is it me? And in the answer to those three questions, you will get a lot of insight about why you're not being promoted. How do you know if it's you? Okay. So the most obvious thing. Well, I mean, about- I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, it's easy. I guess the way, let I me mean, rephrase the question. It's easy to blame the company, right? Oh, these people, they don't get me. They don't understand me. Or I don't, I was put in the wrong position in the first place. And that's why I'm not, I'm not succeeding. I think it takes a lot of strength and courage to say it might be me. But how do you know that? Well, I think the first question you have to ask is, have you ever asked for a promotion? You would be astounded by the number of people and the number of times I've promoted somebody in a team and somebody else came into the room and said, well, why didn't you promote me? And I look at them and I go, I don't even know you were interested. You've not done anything to signal to me that this is something you care about. And so have you put yourself in a position? Have you shown the hunger that it needs to achieve? And have you built that content approach and network that the next job needs? And you have to do an audit of yourself to answer that question. Because I think the problem, Nigel, I mean, just to play devil's, not devil's advocate, but to role play here, if I'm the guy who's been passed over and I come to you and say, why didn't you hire me? And you say, well, it's because you haven't asked me. I think the tendency is to say, you mean to tell me you haven't observed me for the last several years, busting my hump, 
doing amazing things, contributing to the company, and you just haven't noticed it. I mean, I think it's important to recognize that manager who's responsible for the promotion is knee deep in the mire of their own career and, and thinking about what they're going to be doing and the role they have to play in the organization. I, th- I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people to, to say, well, I have to take initiative and communicate that. That's That seems unseemly, but I think, I mean, that's why it's so rare when people actually actively talk and promote themselves for a promotion, right? But I think there's a difference here about ambition and hunger. And I think the point of much of the book is you have to take control of your life. You have to take control of your career. Don't muddle through and don't sit and wait for somebody to give you the opportunity. You've got to go find that opportunity. And you're right, that manager's got their own career, their own problems, their own issues. And if if you don't demonstrate the hunger, and the hunger is not just saying, hey, I want to be promoted. It's doing the right things so that you do get noticed, that you do stand up and say, hey, coach, put me in. I'll take the bat. I know it's the bottom of the ninth, but I'm willing to do the difficult stuff. When you display that hunger, that's when you get noticed. When you wait to be noticed, then you're putting your career in the hands of somebody else. And it's not their job to manage your career. It's your job. Yep, absolutely. Well, say, I think that's another hangover from the 20th century executive is that the organization is going to take care of me and ultimately lead to that gold watch. You have to take control. In my view, that's the biggest fundamental difference between the 20th and the 21st century is, is this idea that you actually have control. And there's still many segments of our business society that like the idea of, of them having control over their people, but it's, it's really, you're really armed and equipped and empowered to take that control. So what happens to the person who moves into a role or position that limits their career? I mean, why do they do that? How do they avoid that? I think there are two things. One, they're not watching what's going on in their career, so they're muddling through. But I think what affects a lot of people is they make themselves irreplaceable in a job. And there's nothing, I know it seems counterintuitive, but there's nothing worse than to make yourself irreplaceable. Because when you're irreplaceable, they won't replace you. So there's an element of owning your career, planning it out, staging it, you know, over a long period of time and making sure you're adding to your content approach and network and not getting yourself stuck in a place where they don't want to move you. Because the only alternative in that situation is leaving the company. Nigel, I look back at my very early years in my career and I wasn't thinking long term. I wasn't planning and I have deep regret about that now. How do you do that? I mean, you said part of the reason is they're not watching. Well, how do you do that? Just share a couple of bits of advice and how someone can take more control of that career path. I think the most important thing you have to do is decide where you want to end up. So the old line, if you don't know where you're going, it doesn't matter what direction you take. You have to have a sense of where you want to be. And look, careers are marathons, not sprints. So you can change your mind 25 times between now and when you retire. But have the sense of where you want to get to and start plotting out the types of skills and experiences you need to get there. And take proactive steps to get those skills and those experiences. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. So you mentioned a a few minutes ago that at some point, sometimes you just have to move on because the organization you're currently in is just not going to get you where you want to go, assuming you know where you want to go. How do you do that? And that's, I think, looking back at the old model of traditional business, that was really scary to make that move. I think it's less so today because of what we talked about earlier, that this is we're more mobile workforce now, and we're there's more likelihood that we're going to move on. I think people are, are fear that less, but it's still a very intimidating thing for a lot of people. What's the best way to do that? 
I think if you have control of your world and your career, then and you get stuck in a place where you can't succeed, then you have to make a decision to move on. And the best advice I can give you is some of the advice that somebody once gave me, which is don't run away, run to. Identify what you're missing, what you need, and go look for that in another company or another organization. And don't just jump because you're not happy. Work out what it is that you're looking for and go to something, not away from something. Don't run away, run to. That's profound. I wrote that one down. All right, Nigel, we could talk for hours and all this. Um, I'm grateful for the important work that you're doing. Uh, Sadly, we are out of time for today. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? Where can they consume uh, the 3-Minute Mentor? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Become a 21st Century Executive? Okay, well, the easiest place website is the website for the 3-Minute Mentor, which is the, T-H-E, the number 3MinuteMentor.com or go to amazon.com and search for become a 21st century executive and you can find the book there and I'm at the website. All right, Nigel DeSau, a marketing professional, founder of The 3-Minute Mentor and the author of a brand new book, Become a 21st Century Executive, Breaking Away from the Pack. Nigel, a real pleasure to connect. Thanks for making time to join me. I enjoyed it. Thanks very much. That's my pleasure. All right, on behalf of my guest, Nigel DeSau, I am Todd Schnick. Appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next time on Intrepid Business.